It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The forever end. It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. It's time for building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun never ends except for the end of the episodes when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, October 24th, episode 543. As always, I'm your host, Jason. Uh, If you couldn't tell by that awesome, lovely intro we had there, I am joined uh, by someone who's a game designer, uh, publisher, and all-around great person, and that is the one, the only, Bez. Hey, Bez. It's good to have you back. Thank you very much for all the compliments. I feel yes. like I want to reject them, but, you know, that part of, you know, what I've been talking about with the game about drawing creatures, compliments and drawing right, and right. compliments and the compliments is about, you know, you've got to say thank you. And right, right, I'm right. trying to take it and be like, well, thank you very much, Jason, for enjoying my voice. I feel actually a little bit nervous. And what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't feel confident, super confident about that. So it's really nice to hear it validated. Thank you very much. It's it's interesting to hear you say that just because anytime I've ever seen a stream or anything with you, you are singing the intro. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but a large part of that is because I'm like, yeah, I can get away with this. It doesn't have to be good. Right, like right. the whole way that I did my streaming is I was very much inspired by Mark Rosewater, who does the drive to work. They just record mm-hmm. it on mm-hmm. the way to yep. work. And it's like, you know what? This isn't going to be great. This is not going to be edited. It's just one take. And I think there's something really nice there where it's like just going along with it and not letting a desire to be good or let alone great be the enemy of just getting something out there. And it's like, yeah, this isn't great, but like we can all enjoy it together and it's worth a little bit of time it's worth a giggle hopefully fingers crossed right right i think so for sure yeah no i uh and i yeah i appreciate you uh coming back you uh sent me i had said uh when you get to a certain point with this game uh and you decided to launch it uh please reach out to me and then i got an email i got a message from you uh on twitter that was like hey you said this, I'm doing this. And I was really excited to get that message. Awesome. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, that doesn't always happen, right? I mean, sometimes people aren't able to come back with scheduling and stuff. So the fact that you reached out, I, I was real excited about that. Oh, and it was pretty last minute. So thank you very much for fitting me in. It's super lovely to be here. Yes. And I always love chatting about games and stuff. Yes. Yeah, no, we, um, we have a pretty flexible schedule here, so uh, I was like, you know what? I can get you on right after your Kickstarter launches, and uh, yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's always exciting. So we'll talk about this more later, but literally, well, you pointed out to me before we started recording, this is the closest our show has ever been to a Kickstarter going live and somebody being on, because you're going to publish this uh, within a few hours, likely, of recording. Uh, and if it's a little longer, a little shorter, no one will know because this isn't live. <laughs> but like, but- I am, I'm just going to kind of take the lid off and let people know we are recording at four fourteen UK time. All right, uh, all right. And then I am probably going. I just sent a message to a few people in a small Facebook chat group to say, "Hey, let me know if something looks totally off or totally wrong right, or whatever." Right. But 
assuming no one has anything, I'm just going to go again. I just remembered before we recorded, oh, there's one other review that I really need to put in there. Because even if you don't put all the videos, you want to put like a wee quote, not yes. only to um like for the validation, but also to say thank you for mentioning me in that thing. Like because mm-hmm. if someone puts you in their like top five games that you can hold in a hand, that's pretty awesome, right? Yeah. And yep. so it feels and then once that's live, it's going to be yeah, I'm honestly I'm feeling excited, I'm feeling buzzed, I'm feeling a little bit of trepidation, I'm feeling a little bit of fear and anxiety, but it's like, you know what? It's not going to be as great or whatever as I'd like. It's not going to whizzy right, whizzy right. graphic design, but it's just getting it out there right. and hopefully right. people are excited by the actual games and will back for them. Fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. I have That's no awesome. idea right now. You're you're describing all the feelings I think you should have before you launch a Kickstarter, right? Anytime, I always tell people, oh, I'm nervous about this Kickstarter. I'm like, listen, if you're not nervous, you're doing something wrong because you are way too overconfident because I don't care if you've done 50 games on Kickstarter and they've all been successful. You just never know, right? Like you don't, like there's, Kickstarter is unpredictable. And while you can have a certain level of knowing uh, what's likely going to happen. Like there's been a couple of times like when I've done the Kickstarter for like such a low amount, I'm like, yeah, this is going to fund. Well, right, when, right, 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 right. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a bit of excitement of, okay, will it fund just for 50 quid or will it right, actually right. go into the thousands, which will be super awesome. Right, and right, right. that will actually give me the money to do something more with it, which is what happened last time. And again, it's like, this time I'm actually putting them into boxes. So my funding goal is 1,500. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I think you mentioned this yourself on one of your shows. Like, yes, I've got a little bit of money. I'm willing to put that in. I'm yep. like, yeah, yep. this doesn't pay for the full 1,000, mm-hmm. but it pays for like the bulk of that to be printed plus other stuff. I'll talk about that later. You know, let's get to Essen because that's what we're also talking about. Cause I've yes. just come back from Spiel. So this is like, I mean, we could argue is Gen Con bigger is Spiel bigger, but let's just say it's are both the biggest. And this the is the biggest on their own continents, right? It's certainly the biggest <laughs> in the continent. Yeah. I'll go with that. And, um, it's a wonderful delight. Um, I want to say that before I went, I noticed that um, 2019 was 219,000, I believe. And 2020 obviously doesn't happen. 2021 was 96,000. This year, it was like 150, like, ish, like, at least minimum. Right. And, yeah, it's just for context, I spent an entire week traveling on the Monday getting there Tuesday night and Wednesday, actually going into the Mesa, getting a few things prepared. Mm -hmm. Then it was like pitching, pitching, 2 p.m. event. Oh, play games. As I walk from place to place, pitching, play games, 2 p.m. event, pitching, 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 dinner. And that was basically my weekend. Monday, drove back. And then I've had a week of, I'm not going to lie, um, Yeah, after Tuesday, I had some fairly major headaches. I don't know if it was from the convention. I don't know if it was from this sudden sadness of not being around people and this Mm -hmm. whole... Do you get this? This kind of 
you've got this rush at the convention and people mm-hmm. like yourself mm-hmm. and then you get to interact with literally hundreds of people and then you come back and then you're on your own for a day and then you're like yeah what 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 am i doing like is anything worth anything i, I think that you know i think that's always an interesting thing that i love talking about actually is um we find this a lot with goals as well right when you have a goal to do something and you achieve it you mm. generally feel pretty crappy pretty quickly after I, um, and you know, being able yeah, to like, stop. yeah, looking towards a big vacation towards a big meetup, you know, afterwards we tend to feel this like, Oh, I have to go back to real life and you can love your real life, but there's still, you know, those moments that you have at the, the places like that really, you know, tops it. I, there was a Olympic person. I don't remember which one it was, but they were talking about when they finally achieved the gold medal or whatever they were trying to do, and they did it, and they said they were happy for three hours. And after that, they were more depressed than they'd ever been in their entire life because it was over. They did it. Mm. And there was like, there was, they had been focusing so long on that goal and being excited about it that when they finally achieved it, then it was like, well, now I don't literally don't know what to do. Right. I, I know I've experienced that. You get that post con fatigue of just being like, things were so exciting things were happening. And then afterwards you're like, wow, it's just done. And I, I, I've, I know I felt like before where I have a successful con and you're like, Oh, I'm so excited. But then everything kind of stops. Right. And now you have to it's wait. It's a really interesting one. I wonder if this is the danger of, yeah, not having enough going on. Like when people talk about designing multiple games at once, it's also like, you need to have multiple goals at once. Mm-hmm. So my goal, well, my minimum requirements for myself, I said, if I don't manage to arrange at least three meetings with publishers, I will be sad and I don't know if it will be worth me going there. I managed to arrange, I think, eight and I managed to get um, two more just Mm -hmm. by being sociable and talking to people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on the con floor. So that was super awesome. But... um, if my entire thing is, I need to get these pitches, I need to get something mm-hmm. signed up with them. Now, when's the next convention that I can do that? Well, it's not until Nuremberg, realistically. Mm-hmm. Which, sure, it's not months and months and months away. Well, it is, if you can't see. <laughs> well, it's in January. So right. it's right, right. like only three months. But it's still enough time that it doesn't feel like, oh, what's going on? But then, um, actually, I got, I do this kind of ridiculous thing of making a new game at every convention I'm going to as an exhibitor. So Mm -hmm. KCON, which is this weekend, I already had things lined up and then Mm -hmm. it came back from the printer, 50 copies, just in bags. And I was, oh, I'm excited to play this with people. That was nice. And working on wee bits on the spreadsheets again, that wasn't Mm -hmm. a game that I'm necessarily needing to get out to a publisher mm-hmm. but it's just mm-hmm. like yeah as long as i get something out for this convention having smaller goals i think because mm-hmm. after a big goal you don't want to have another big goal and right. the final thing i'll say is like have, i'm willing to say i've been in therapy a few times group therapy and same, also one same, yep. one but um one thing that someone once told me is like where do you want to be and think about where you are because it wouldn't be great if you already had all those things you wouldn't have anywhere to go and you can always be 
improving but also you can once you reach mm -hmm. that think about diversifying like maybe think about how good a dancer you can be or set your right, goals right, as right. making a nice meal or getting out to the park mm -hmm. sometimes that itself is mm -hmm. a decent goal it's enough of a challenge just to get out of the house and to go and see the ducks. Right, right. I was just today, I was making a to-do list along the same lines. And a lot of the things on the to-do list are big, right? Mm -hmm. And I, normally with that sort of thing, I'll break it down. But I was like, you know what? I don't want to today. I just need to make a list so that I know what's out there, what I have to finish. And I purposely included small things on the list mm -hmm. along with those big things that I know that I can cross off for that dopamine hit. <laughs> Being able yeah. to cross it off and think, hey, I did this today. Um, you know, and that really, um, you know, like I put recording with you and editing this podcast. I know I have to do it. I know it's going to get done before it has to be published because it is every week. But I put it on here because I can cross it off when it's done. And that that's an accomplishment, right? That's something I did. And I think that those little goals really help keep you moving. But big goals are also great. Great. And it's a really weird one because I was chatting to someone like a complete stranger that long story i'm not going to go into all of this but we ended up i had nothing really to do they were not in a great place and you know it was a nice evening and i said mm -hmm. well if you want to chat buy me a drink and i'll chat with you mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um we chatted for a while and i was saying you know you've got to celebrate your achievements just you know you said that you are a shy person and you actually approached me and said mm -hmm. hello that's an achievement i mean right, right. getting out of your house like that's an achievement in itself mm -hmm. that you are kind of not like there and he said no i and i said like just putting on a bit of makeup and coming out of the house that's an achievement and mm -hmm. he said oh no that's look here's a photo of me with a lot more makeup on here's like how good i can look and i was like no but like sure you are you've not done it as well as could possibly be done but it's also about just having done something is right. an achievement and it does absolutely it's not like oh it's just about ticking it off because it's not like oh i went to the loo i'm going to do that anyway but you know making a meal <laughs> right, 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 right. i might actually not do that and there are days when it's like okay i'm going to well it depends how you define making a meal mm -hmm. i might just open a tin and warm it up or i might right, right. Um, eat some oats cakes or something because it's easier mm -hmm. but actually making the meal isn't just about ticking it off a list it's also about getting the nutrients getting the mm -hmm. joy from that thing and recording hopefully you also get some joy and Absolutely. hopefully the yeah. listeners get some joy and so there's something beyond yes it hopefully a little bit easier than some other things but it's still a worthwhile mm -hmm. thing i guess yeah no i i in in i first of all i wouldn't still be doing this if i didn't get joy out of it because you know i mean i uh i who's got time for that right <laughs> you don't make a podcast for 10 years unless you care about it because uh you know otherwise <laughs> and and you know i mean it's funny as an aside the podcast is is incredibly self-serving as well as the fact that I enjoy doing it for other people because it keeps me on task. It keeps me on track, right? Having to record a podcast every week makes me think about new game ideas, makes me think about new designs. It makes me be exposed to new people who can tell me about what they're doing and, and learn about them. And like that, all of those things help me grow as a person, as a game designer. Um, and hopefully does the same for the audience. 
But like, you know, I, I joke that even if, if, if there was one listener to BTG, that would be enough because, you know, like I, I just, I want to put it out as there. As long for, as the guests are right. willing to come on, right? Right, right, right. And I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Like I um, get a very similar thing from my stream. And one time I asked someone like, why did you join my stream given that they were US based? And so mm-hmm. for them, it's, it was, I think, 5 a.m. dirt time. And oh, yeah. Said, um, well, I'm going to be real with you. I kind of want to start waking up at this time. So it was a good reason to do that. And yep. fair enough, it managed to work for them. Yep. Yep. And parts of it, sure, there might be a few people watching and they get some exposure. But parts of it, hopefully, they have a good time chatting. And I certainly have a good time chatting. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. But yeah, like... I think we're both agreed that when you get back from a convention, you need to have some things to do. Yes. And I think that I am, oh, it's nice, but it's also sometimes really blooming. I wish that I had a boss to tell me, you've got to do this t- today. Right. right. So that right. I could, because a good boss is basically giving you a to-do list. That's what a good boss is basically Mm -hmm, doing. mm -hmm. And even if it's something mundane and it's like, okay, I'm coming in and to the cafe, I'm doing waitressing and okay, um, well, be behind the bar for a while. Okay, do some food for a while. Okay, um, take care of this table and teach them some games because it's a board game, whatever. Right, Um, right. But it's like, I have to be there and it's a thing that I have to do and it, kind of stops me from falling into that pit of despair and i think it's really important yes for people who are thinking should i take a day off after you know this convention yes absolutely take a day off or you know if you're traveling on the monday maybe even take the tuesday off Mm -hmm. just so that you can sleep but then I would encourage everyone to get back to work on the mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or if you're working for yourself from home, have something lined up to do. Yep. That's so that's a trick I use because I'm primarily co-design. Um, when I have meetings and stuff uh, at conventions, not always are my co-designers there. Right. Mm. Uh, but we'll usually play games. We'll play test and stuff. And whether they're there or not there, I will always try to schedule meetings with them. The first, the first few days after the convention, And part of the reason is to kind of fight the post-convention blues of feeling like, oh, what am I going to do by using that call to action of, okay, we're together again. Let's talk about how this went. Were we both there? Was one of us there? There's always something to talk about. And sometimes it's just reflecting on what was fun. Um, And a new trick that I've been using, and this is thanks to Michael Wasbrock, um, who's a co-designer and friend of mine, but he was like, hey, it'd be cool if you recorded your, we used to record episodes uh, for conventions at conventions. And he said, it would sound better uh, if you recorded it at home afterwards. <laughs> and I thought, you know, he was right. But the other big thing is it does two things. One, it gives everybody a little bit of time to process what happened, right? Yes. And to talk about it. But two, it lets you remember that and chat about it. And whether it was good or bad, you get it out there and you talk about it. Um, and it just really feels like a a better all around experience. So we've switched to that model and I, I don't think we'll ever switch back. I'm really, really enjoying that. And I always was like, oh, it's so hard to get everybody together afterwards. And it was just exciting to record in person with people. But now that I pretty much always record online with people, I rarely do in-person episodes anymore um, simply because like that's just I, I can reach more people that way. Um, 
it's it's nice and it's easy That's to schedule a really that. nice idea i mean i'm going to give a shout out to my own co-designer kirsten lunza and mm-hmm. we're working on one game for together for the first time and we had a meeting for i think it was thursday night and when it was oh this is coming up oh i'm really tired but you know what i'm going to power through it and mm-hmm. i felt so much better by the end of that meeting and similarly yesterday I had a completely unscheduled, like, private thing with Rita, Modal. Um, we're not working together on anything, but on Sunday I reached out and said, hey, would you be willing to chat privately about this thing? Rita was, yeah, sure, and then got together and just chatting and feeling mm-hmm. a little bit better about the world. I think, in retrospect, what I could have done and what I would maybe do next time is not only chat with... Um, a co-designer, because that's a really nice idea, but especially because I do lots of solo stuff, maybe chat with anyone that, you know, I'm collaborating with in any form. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it might be a case of, you know, Vagard, you helped me get to stand at Essen. And just for the listeners, Vagard Farstad is part of the Norwegian's Publishers Collective. And what I was doing was having my game's there, but I wasn't really there. I was only there for two hours each day, which mm-hmm. meant that anyone who wanted to find me, I would be able to say, well, I'm there from about 1.30 until 3.30, and I'll be doing my 2 p.m. event. Please come and hang out. Mm-hmm. And that was super lovely. Like, every day there was at least one person, and I'm really glad I did that. But afterwards, I've never had a actual in-person, meet, well, video meeting with Vagards, like we've chatted on right, right. messages, but it's not the same. It would be nice to say, okay, how did that go for us? What's the debrief? Let's just, it might be like not to go through the financials and talk about the money or anything, but just to be like, yeah, was this broadly good? And I think there's something really lovely about that. You're right. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, no, it's it works for me. Um, so yeah, see see what you think too. So. So you've never been to Essen? I haven't. It is um uh it is certainly on my list and there was a chance for me to possibly go a while back um when we were talking about a game with a publisher and they said, "Listen, I think, you know, we're going to try and launch this at Essen. Um if that works out, would you know, you could go." And I was like, "Yes, I'm in. Like I'll work your booth, whatever, get me over there." Um and then pandemic and stuff happened and it just didn't work mm. out so it is it is one that i will make it to for sure um uh, that and pax unplugged or two that i haven't been able to get to that i really want to get to pax unplugged a little easier because i could literally drive there if i wanted jealous of the fact <laughs> that you're like i'll just drive to essen <laughs> i gotta take a long plane ride um because i live in like middle america so that's not even like i'm not even close uh to flying <laughs> i mean what's what's oh my gosh what I noticed is that a few Americans came over and then afterwards they had like a week-long vacation. Yes, yes. And I think that's really smart because Agreed. then you also get a chance to hang out in Amsterdam or mm-hmm. Berlin or whatever. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of lovely architecture around. Yeah. And it's not the worst time of the year. I mean, it's not summer or anything, but right, right. yeah. Things are probably cheaper then, though, to go do that for tourists, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. No, I, that is something we've talked about. My wife would love to go to Germany. 
I, I don't know that Essen is would be something she would be super stoked about. Um, she's one of those people that like next year, her and the kids are going to come to me with Gen Con or come to Gen Con with me for a day. Right. So we're going to mm-hmm. go down there together. They're going to do stuff. And then on Sunday, they're all going to come to Gen Con and check it out. And that's enough for them. Um, and that allows me to do businessy stuff and see people and play games, but still hang out with everybody. And then actually the kids get to experience us. And the only thing they've been to otherwise is Grand Con, which they loved and they had so much fun. Um, and Grand Con is obviously, you know, the tiniest little thing compared to, uh, to compared to Gen Con. So I would love to bring the whole family over and then just do a vacation. Um, and maybe in a couple years, the whole family is that. going to be expensive because of the flights, obviously. Right. But, but that's one the biggest time thing, that you I know. went over, um, we were all in an Airbnb in the outskirts of Essen. And it, some parts of it are just super gorgeous. And they go up these tiny streets and it's like, oh, it's like this wonderful fairyland. And then in the hopped Bahnhof, you've actually got decent foods. Like you walk down the streets and then you've got this really weird place called Tacos. And it's a German interpretation of Mm -hmm. an American interpretation of Mexican food. But then they've also got a Tacos pizza, which is um, like the taco dough. So it's like not pizza dough it's like a really really thin thing just like a taco and then it's got chili con carne on it mm-hmm. and then it's got um that sounds good like italian herbs on it it's completely ridiculous uh-huh. so the only pizza yes it's kind of laid out like a pizza and um with this cheese and herbs it's completely ridiculous and by the way my opinion german people don't have anything spicy so when they say something spicy, it's not spicy at all. Like if they say something's Diablo, then that means it's like it's... one chili out of three. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, no, here if they say spicy, they generally mean spicy. So like I don't know how spicy American palates are, but here, like if something's like spicy, it will be like, oof. This right. is yeah, you can really feel this. This is like a free chili right, right, will be like right. the overpowering thing. Right, right. Right. There's a there's an Indian place that my whole family loves to go to. And we run into the issue that sometimes mild is mild. And sometimes I feel like it's a different cook and mild <laughs> is not mild. Um, yeah, I remember my That's friend Rob. You can walk into one restaurant. Right. My friend Rob, who used to be on the show, we would, there was an Indian place we love to go to in um, Indianapolis when we would go to Gen Con. And um he would he would get it hotter right but then sometimes i it was like i I mean obviously you know you know you depending on who the cook is that day or the chef that day you never know and and it would be like so hot he could barely eat it and other times he's like this really is not very spicy so yeah one restaurant on its own can do that obviously across you know a whole place you've got a lot more than that Sure, but I, I'm just basing this on a few meals that I right, had right, right. in Germany. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. Um, I love it. Like for the record, I think that my number one tip for anyone actually going to the convention itself to the mm-hmm. spiel is in the mornings, buy maybe like three or four bits of pastry. Go to your bakery, like there's you know amazing bakeries in Germany, even mm-hmm. in the Hauptbahnhof, which basically means the main train station. So you go there and you might think, well, it's main train station. This will all be rubbish. It will be mediocre food. 
But, I mean, maybe it's mediocre food by German standards, but by my standards, this is yeah, really yeah. awesome baked goods. And they've got, like, cakes. They've got, um, right, right. you know, relatively healthy stuff. I, I erred on the slight side of a bit more unhealthiness. I mean, I was only there for Fair a week, of course. Yeah. But, you know, I going mean, in each day with, like, three or four new things, and that would be my breakfast and lunch. And if I had anything leftover i'd yeah potentially toss it if i really had to or yeah I, i'm talking like tiny scraps or yep. have it for dinner yep. or whatever no i feel like if you're going so like eating healthy is a great thing but if you're going somewhere and you want to experience like their food like you need to experience mm-hmm. like their comfort food right yeah. like, you know like let the stuff that's real good and probably not great for you like that's okay <laughs> Go for it. I mean, like, from the same bakeries, you can get sandwiches and stuff, and that's totally cool as well. But, yeah, as you say, you want to have the delicious stuff. And the other thing is, because you get this in the bakery and then you just take it with you, you don't have to deal with the ridiculous queues in the Mesa, which is what they call the convention center. And, Uh uh yeah, rather than spending, like... It could be literally half an hour waiting in a queue. Right. If right. you want a spiral potato, I mean, they're good, but they're mm-hmm. maybe not that good. Do you know what I mean? Right. And right. I think that the other tip I'd give, which I really am happy I did this, was before I went, I was looking at all the games. I was like, okay, which ones do I want to check out? Yes, and then yes. I realized, why am I doing this? It, the more anything that I list, is going to be another thing that I stress about. It's going to be a game that I think, okay, I have to see that. And maybe this is the luxury of having been there multiple times. Mm -hmm. But I was able to say, you know what? It doesn't matter. If something's really awesome, I'll see it later. And I would rather kind of just be opportunistic about these things. On my way from one place to the other... I would look at a game, and if Haba was on my way, of course, you know, their games are super short. I'm going, I ended up playing right. like five of their games, like right, right, in right. half an hour when I say playing them. Like, I mean, having enough of a demo to know what they're all about, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, focusing on the quick things and be like, oh, that looks interesting. Yes, I've got um, 20 minutes before a meeting. You say that this game will definitely take 10 minutes. Okay, let's go for it. And um, things like that, where I enjoyed just games, some of which might have come out this year, some of them might have come out a couple of years ago, because Mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. still good, rather than obsessing over needing to get this list of games done, 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 done. Do you know what I mean? right. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I usually go with a list of some ideas of, oh, this looks pretty cool. I Maybe I want to check this out. But this year I did a lot less of that. And it was actually pretty freeing to not feel like I had to run all these places. I had one mm. game I said I was going to pick up for a friend and get a copy for myself. And I was glad I did that because the game is super cool. Um, and uh, But like other than that, I only made some purchases that were more spontaneous buys. Um and uh yeah yeah i normally i do make a big list but it was nice not having that um especially too because i feel like a lot of times you go out of your way to find something that sounds cool and you see it and you're like oh no it's not for me (laughs) 
like, I could have just could have not spent 20 minutes trying to find this booth that's hidden somewhere. Um, that said, I, I do the one of the spontaneous things that I do like is when you find those little things that you're never going to see again, mm-hmm. right? Like when you see a booth and you're like, this is I'm never going to see this online somewhere, right? Like, like this is this is spiel, it. There was a stand where someone was making games to tell the story of North Koreans which was really amazing. Oh, wow. So this was someone who is a South Korean, mm-hmm. and then they told, they had like three different games. I sadly didn't get to chat to them about it because I was at their stand before opening on the Sunday. I was, wow, this looks so cool. But um, they had one game which was about finding your families, one game which mm-hmm. was a kind of alternate history roads unification kind of a parallel with mm-hmm. uh, well drawing similarities between Germany um east and west and Korea north and south although I think there's a lot of differences but they were and then one other one which was hey I chatted to a North Korean who managed to come out and reunite with their family and I want to share their story through this game. And mm-hmm. I really like that because that's someone in a neighboring country. It's not um, me or you who's on a completely different continent where we can't completely understand their story. It's someone who's sharing a language, who's sharing a vaguely similar culture from mm-hmm. at least before everything was divided and understanding at least the South Korean parts of it super intimately. And I mm-hmm. think this is a wonderful thing. And the other thing I really enjoyed was meeting with friends. So in the morning, it was like, oh, Louisa, we'd met, um, I can't remember how many years ago at Spiel. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, let's carry on wandering around. Yeah, sure, I'll come to your stand. I don't have any meetings until 12 o'clock. So mm-hmm. I came over to the stand and they ended up playing this um, one game called Fife. I don't know if you've heard of this with the designer and a couple of other people. It was a lovely um, draw things out of a bag, place them on your board, and on each line, column, and diagonal, yeah, you've got a task which you give yourself. So you've got 12 different, yeah, I think it's 12 different tasks, and you get to choose where they all go. I did feel like after I've played it a few more times, I might end up feeling like, okay, this is probably the best way to arrange all these tasks. But getting to that point is a really interesting puzzle. It is one of those very much solo things where whether you win or you lose, you feel, okay, I got this many points and next game around, hopefully I can get more. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, that sounds worth checking out. And it's not just about the game. Honestly, it is also about the way that it's demonstrated. Mm -hmm. I'm going to... Sorry about this. I don't... I'm going to slightly badmouth one demonstrator. Sure, sure. um, So I don't know their name. I don't know... And multiple companies had this game. So it was Coral. Um, unrelated to Coral Islands, the duo game by Alley Cat Games from years ago. But this is mm-hmm. Coral, an abstract game where all the pieces are three blocks arranged in a corner, if you can imagine that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and makes sense. And using these three blocks, you've got some of your color, you've got some of that are not your color, and you're trying to arrange them, you're trying to grow them out, and trying to make it so that when seen from above, 
more of your things are visible. Now, oh, the way sense. we yeah. played it was completely boring and uninspired. And it was, and I was talking about it in the car on Monday, going back, saying, oh, I really was looking forward to that. But I think there's basically a maximum score that we could have got. And I was one point away, same as someone else. And then the third player was two points away. So it's like, what's there left? Oh, wait a minute. Could we have done, wait, we could have done that. And it occurred to me that we had completely been missing this relatively (laughs) obvious thing. And it strikes me that a demonstrator, it's not just their job to make sure you play by the rules, but also kind of to make sure you have a good time. And if everyone is overlooking the fact that these corner blocks can actually be placed on their side, which sounds super obvious, but we were placing them all kind of so two blocks are visible from the top, if you know what I mean. Right, right. And we didn't kind of twig that, okay, there's two possible rotation, but we didn't twig that, yeah, you could even... And there's definitely a part of on its side, it might not be the best thing to do, but sometimes it is, and this opens mm-hmm. up a lot. And I think that it's also down to the demonstrator to kind of present it in a good light and make sure you have a good time with it, not just play by the rules. And so mm-hmm. that was an interesting thing for me to reflect on. Yeah, no, I the the person you know, you need a, a certain kind of person to do those demonstrations. I know that um, Rob and I were at. Gen Con two years in a row and we had I believe it was the same guy uh did demos for us of Small World and this was years ago right when Small World came out and both times were like this game looks like it should be cool but boy does it seem like it's just awful and then he played it with someone who had it and was like I love this game like what the <laughs> heck this isn't anything like I thought it was and it was because the person just was really bad at demoing and and because of that we you know um yeah, because of that, we thought the game was going to be awful and turned out to be one of his favorite games to play. So, Was um, there anything that you can point to that made it so different? I, it really was that it was just this uninspiring demo where he just made it feel boring. He didn't mm. highlight what made the game special and fun. So, yeah, I think that was, you know, that was the big thing was like, you have to show us why should I like this game? Like, what is it about this game that's special, right? It's also Um, super difficult at an international fair because, I mean, anything in the US is going to be all about the English. And sure, at Spiel, mm -hmm. most people do speak English, but I think for a larger proportion of people, it's not their first language. And that is super difficult because maybe you're good enough to then teach the rules and that's something you can practice a few times but if you're thinking oh that person might want to do that can i ask them hey do you mind if i give you a tip like which i would love if someone says hey do you mind if i give you a tip if i'm if i've got a plan i might say well i think i've got a plan but if i'm like this is boring then i say absolutely like right, tell right, me right. what tells to do and that's maybe not something that they feel comfortable doing in a foreign language and it's super difficult because there are i did one demo of one of my games in french because someone came over after my 2 p.m events and they were like oh i don't speak english that well and i was like oh i know french well enough to demonstrate it Mm -hmm. and so we played this word game in french and 
I lost because it's a words game that I made up. But right, right. And I'm slightly out of practice, but yeah, I'm. They got a good sense of it, and that's the thing. Like I was able to teach them the game, but I definitely did a worse demo than I would do to someone in right. English. That's fair. Yeah, that's a very good point and very fair. But yes, um, do you have any other questions about Spiel? What else should we talk about? Um, no, I I feel like you know you've you've taught me a lot about it it makes me more excited about the idea of going especially um but i would love to take some time to dive into the games you're putting on kickstarter i want to make sure we devote good time to those and we can talk about it thank you very much um sure so there's four games that are going to be on kickstarter and these are all things that are what i call busy bargain bags or they have been mm -hmm. so i brought them out and i think this is possibly going to be my new model for everything just well, all the card games at least, release it at Survivor, say, hey, this is a thing, if you like it, buy it on my web shop, or buy it from me at a convention, and then I'll print 50 copies, sell 40 of them, and keep 10 of them for myself, because one game I realized that I don't have a copy of, which is a bit sad, and yeah, make sure that I That's keep at least yeah. three of them for myself, and a few for other people who are helping me at conventions and for reviewers and potential pitching. Then once it's like, okay, this is actually working well, I'm super happy with the way this is going. And well, the only thing I would do is, sure, you can always improve the graphic design a tiny bit and mm -hmm. overhaul the graphics. But beyond that, it's, yeah, like graphic design, cards, everything looks basically good. I'm happy with the way it's working. Bump it up to, and then release it as a box. I'm going to say RRP mm -hmm. nine quid. That's what I've decided. So all of these things are going to be RRP nine quid, but then, and let me actually chat about the game. So the first one, which was the one that you like the sounds of, is yes, a game yes. of drawing creatures, complementing the drawings, then complementing the compliments. And that actually came from chatting to someone about a game about wee whimsical creatures and trying to identify them after some mixed noises. I talked about how I was using this lookup table, rolling dice, and consulting the lookup table to decide how to draw these creatures to make them all diverse. And mm -hmm. someone said, oh, that could be our next game. And I thought to myself, oh, that's dice. They are suggesting dice. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, wait. But yeah, on cards, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, 50 cards, that's a good number of creature features. Right. So I got 50 creature features that you can't um they never contradict one another that's super important so mm -hmm. the you'll have oh, i can't remember exactly i think i put ridiculously long arms and you'll never have um short arms you'll never have right, um, right. like you might have multiple arms you might have right. many fingers you might have wings and you might have to do all of these things and there might be like something about eyebrows and something about the mm -hmm, nose. And mm -hmm. I think there's one where you've got to do multiple ear, more than two ears, and one where you've got to do tiny ears. But mm -hmm. that's, but you can do all 50 of these right, in theory right. in one They form. never cancel each other out. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's super simple. And you think to yourself, okay, I've got to do something with wings, something cat's like, something dripping and 
the mouth that is shouting. And he could literally uh-huh. just do those features and everyone's got one thing in common with everyone else. So maybe everyone's got to do this mouth that is shouting and it gives it a sense of cohesion. But then that gets to the second parts of the game where right. it's not really about how good the art is. It's about appreciating it and appreciating what you've done. I mean, right. it might be that you're not rating these things. You just compliment it. I reveal my picture and everyone has to compliment it. You reveal yours and everyone has to compliment it. Stacy reveals theirs and everyone has to compliment it. And then it's at that point that we get to the third phase, which is the only bit that's arguably competitive, where I'll say, okay, I really liked the way you talked about um, the little raindrop, because I put a lot of time into that, so hearing you compliment it makes me feel good. Thank you. Right. And right. you'll say, thank you for complimenting my compliments. And then you'll compliment one of our things. Stacey will compliment right. one of our right. things. And then if you are competitive, you might feel like, I want to be the one to be complimented. How do you mm-hmm. do that? Well, you just need to give the best gosh darn compliments you possibly can, which yep. makes it the sweetest sort of competition you can. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I just, I'm still enamored by that idea. I'm even more excited about it, hearing about it once again, because it's been a while. And so I'm super stoked. Awesome. I, uh, yes, yes. Um, and it plays free to five. Well, I say it's best with free to five because then you get the whole, oh, that person likes that compliment bet. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I like that. But then two players, it's kind of this sweet private moment with you and someone else, which is quite nice mm-hmm. as well. And I played it three times might have been more with a friend in a row where they were like, yeah, let's keep playing this. And it, I'll cherish that memory where we were just doing vaguely similar things. If you are struggling with compliments, there are bits mm-hmm. on the other side of the cards which give you tips for how to compliment things, how to receive compliments, and also about the value of compliments, oh, yeah. which yes. is something that will hopefully not only be good for this game, but also generally, like I've had multiple people tell me, wow, playing this game, it really changed my approach and or made me smile. Or right. And having played it a few times myself now, I genuinely find myself better equipped to compliment people, to receive compliments, because that can mm-hmm. also be a horrible thing. Because in this game, you've got to listen well enough to not only say thank you, but also then actually, you know, compliment the compliments. Right, right, right. And if you want to play it as part of a classroom, um, you could open up a deck and give it to three groups of five players, at least with one deck of cards, which I'm quite happy with. So if you've got like, um, I don't know how big your classroom is. If you're a teacher and, you know, you've got 40 people in your classroom, then you need three decks. But Mm -hmm. give me a shout and I try to, um, yeah, give teachers a small discount if I can. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I, I, I certainly will be picking up a copy to take to my kids' classes because I think that they'll really enjoy this. So I'm really excited to see yeah. the response of this and see what people because like there are four different games and that's one of them. And then the other one is a game about cute comical creatures and trying to identify them after some mixed noises, which was a follow up to a game about wee whimsical creatures and trying to identify them after some mixed noises where someone on Board Game Geek said, oh, these 
these are a bit creepy. I don't like it. And so I was like, you know what? That's just one person. But you know what? Maybe other people feel the same way. And someone on Twitter had kind of jokingly said something similar, but not rated it. And so I thought, you know what? I'll do a follow-up. And so that's what I did. And hopefully people love it. It's exactly the same game, but with creatures that are meant to be a bit simpler. And I focus more on the emotions, on the mouth shape. So it's got a more discernible noise, hopefully, the number of mouths. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's weak, sometimes it's, um, well, basic toothy mouths. And that's just silly, and it's good fun for four up to eight-ish. Love it, love it. I've also got two speed games. So one of them is all about counting, and this one actually started off in 2019. I've got a couple of videos online, which I'm going to have parts of the Kickstarter which are about back when it was called Plus, a game, uh, and that was me trying to have a ridiculously short title, which obviously doesn't last very long. But yeah, no, I mean, one of the things I love is that your games, literally the title tells you what you do in the game. That's my favorite so thing. Plus, um, which back then was basically all about abstract shapes and colors. This is now called uh, a game about counting cats, shapes and colors that keeps getting trickier. So you've got three types of cats, they might be balled up, they might be lying down, they might be dancing, and you've got three different colours, red, yellow, and blue. And mm-hmm. then on the backs of the cards, it'll either show a colour, with just like a scribble of that colour, or it'll show a black and white version of a cat in that pose. And you flip over a card, you see three cats, you've got to say, okay, how many balled up cats are there? Because there's a balled up cat in black and white, and so you've got to mm-hmm. see how many things match the back of the other card. I might say okay. one, I slap the card. Now, you are not as fast as me, so you don't get it. But next time we flip over, and now we're looking for red cats. And you might shout one, because there's one red cat in the new card in the middle. But I not only have to look at the one in the middle, but also everything in front of myself. Mm. As mm-hmm. It keeps getting harder and harder from me. And that's the nice thing that I like about it, because yeah. small kids can play against adults, and I've had times with literally a four-year-old where I've said, okay, you get to three, I'll be aiming to get to five, and that works fine. If yeah. it's adults against adults, I might say, okay, how about you get to five, I'll get to six or even seven, because I've played it mm-hmm. hundreds of times. Right, right, and right, right. Depending on how alert I am and how we feel after the first game. But Mm -hmm. it's something that's quick. It's, yeah, that's a speed game, slightly different to other things. And finally, a game about quickly matching words to pictures, but never words to words or pictures to pictures. But this one has (laughs) two small twists to a normal speed matching game. So firstly, Mm -hmm. like it says in the title, you are match if you've got a red bike and a red cat, they don't match. If you've got the word red, then that would match with either of them. Right. And the second thing that's a little bit of a twist is you start off just with the deck all in one pile and then you divide it. Anytime there's no match, you just divide one of the decks. So what happens is I would slap the word red written out, and the red cat, for example, and I would take them both at the same time, shouting red as I do so, and then suddenly two new cards are revealed instantaneously mm, from underneath. Mm-hmm. 
and straight away there might be one new match there might even be two new matches because of the two cards that are revealed and then you've got two people um trying to slap their cards in the middle it's uh-huh. i'm really proud of it because it's a speed matching game where even if you're playing with only two players it can still feel frantic and riotous and i think that's a hard thing right, to do right. when you've not got that many people if you know what i mean I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, no, that sounds uh, speed games are something I've uh, always been bad at, but like this sounds interesting to me, especially to playing like with two players. So, or against my kids and I could probably beat them. <laughs> and They're when better than you I don't, am with these when, games. I mean, maybe you're faster at reading. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Like I was, yeah, talking to someone who was chatting about games to play for, I think a six-year-old, versus a four-year-old but then the four-year-old's more of a gamer so you know mm-hmm. that kind of determination will hopefully offset things but yeah the whole reason i'm doing these four games all in one if i didn't explain it sufficiently at the start is because despite it being print on demand it still makes financial sense for me to do a thousand boxes at once but of course yeah. here's the interesting thing with the cards and with the printing of what's on those boxes, it doesn't matter so much. The key thing is the cut. So they all have to be cut at one time. And so what that then means is that if I say, okay, I've got these four games and also the previous game that everyone was mm-hmm. expecting to get to the bag, but if things work out, I'll give them a free upgrade to be in a box and also categorical, which is my one massively outstanding Kickstarter, which I need to gets on top of if i'm Mm -hmm. doing six things like i know okay i'm doing at least 200 or let's say i'll do 250 of categorical let's Mm -hmm. say i do 250 of a game about selecting seven cards speedily searching for synergies then that means of these four games i only need to do 125 each which it's not nothing and i still want to make sure i'm not doing something that no one cares about but it's little enough that I'm very confident um, if it's not sold out by UK Games Expo, like I, like I feel like I could probably sell a little bit more than that, you know, in the next few months. Going yeah, to yeah, of course, yeah. And so I feel this is probably the kind of way that I'm going to go in future doing multiple a kickstarter for multiple things at once and the other reason Mm -hmm. for four the other reason why i want to encourage people to buy four and i should probably make this clearer is four is really good to set post because four of these games fits into a large letter and a large letter if i post four games for example to new zealand it costs me Mm -hmm. nine pounds 85 and i can't remember what it cost for five but it was something like 17 quid so you know, obviously there's a massive jump. And right. Yeah, it's similar for everywhere else. Like if it's in the UK, I don't care too much because it's three quid twenty-five, I think, regardless. And I can ship mm-hmm. you so much stuff in the UK. Great. We're a tiny island. All good times. But <laughs> you uh, could walk into them. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I mean people have literally walked the length. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, how many people walked the length of the USA. I mean, how many people walk the length of Germany? Right, right. the width of the USA is the long part, and and people have done that. But it's like you know, I think it's four thousand miles one way. So mm-hmm. 
yeah it's it's a it's a it's a bit of a track. i mean it's more of a hey i'm going to do this and everyone on the news is going to hear about it right, as opposed right, right. to TV where it's like hey i'm going to do this and i'll raise some money for charity right 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 um so no that i i love that you've put the thought into you know all of those pieces of it like the shipping and stuff just because um that is you know obviously newer people to kickstarter which you are not uh, but newer people to Kickstarter, I think one of the biggest mistakes they make can be not accurately figuring out what shipping is going to oh, really gosh. cost them. Um, and and so many people have just gotten just completely hosed on that. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why we've seen a lot of larger Kickstarters will actually say, uh, sh- you know, actual shipping charged at, um, you know, actual shipping charged at, at the time to ship. And they just charge it separately. Uh, which I fully respect because you, you you know you have to cover yourself. There's See, no. I can kind of get behind that, but I do still feel like, sure, I've been burnt by shipping once, which was at the start of 2020. Basically, mm-hmm. um, I did a Kickstarter, and then at the start of the pandemic, then shipping went from about six quid to like twenty quid to the US. I'm not exaggerating. It was ridiculous. Oh, no. It was like yeah, uh, more it, than three times. Crazy. Yep. Agreed. But I wasn't willing to wait. Like, I didn't know how many months. So it could have been a year until it went down to normal. And so I was like, well, I guess I got to send it. And honestly, like, I lost money on a couple of those mm-hmm. international things. Most of it was in the UK, which I was bleeping happy about. But um, yeah, it's. I but at the same time, I don't think it's entirely okay for Kickstarter creators to say, "Hey, this is the cost of the goods, but the cost of postage might change more." I mean, the truth is, the cost of the goods might change, and right, right. I feel like if you're asking people to pledge, especially when it's like fifty hundreds of quid potentially, mm-hmm. and then it's like, well. I don't know how much shipping is going to be like that's yeah, a no, big that, problem. That is. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. The fact that you could be like, Hey, now I can't afford shipping. How does that work? Um, because it's went up and you know, yeah. So I, well, as a backer, I think that I, sh- I, I feel almost quite strongly that backers nope, should be I, like given, this is the thing this is how much it's going to be. And right, right. if there's a problem, then we'll get into that. But there should be some profit margin built in there. And frankly, no, you're, if you're got any correct. profit margin, that's where the normal regular increase should come out of. Because sure, um, if there's, look, if World War Three, God forbid, happens in the next month, or if there's another pandemic, God forbid, right, right. in the next, you know, couple of months, then I think people, you know, <laughs> will be understanding. And right, right. I would hope so. Other than that, like, in, given the natural state of affairs, a creator should have done their due diligence and mm-hmm. be able to build that into the cost of things. I believe. Yeah. No. You. You are absolutely correct, and I. I. Yeah, I was uh, speaking from a, a place of privilege where it's I'm not concerned, right? Like if if it ends up costing me more at the end, I don't care, right? Uh, but that is not the case for everyone. 
and um yeah no and you're you are absolutely correct um mm. so uh yeah no um i i definitely understand why some companies do it but i was not thinking of the pitfalls that can certainly happen with that and I that's think a that's really a good point and i'm glad you called like me out on it so. back it and having the anger i don't think it's so much just about hey this shipping costs too much because i don't think that's the key thing i think it's parts of hey i budgeted this much for this and right. now they're charging this much more and that's more than i can afford now what do i do it's a really good point yeah no and that's mm-hmm. no that is something i did i honestly did not think about and that was yeah i mean i know that um i know that with some of the bigger kickstarters i've followed um marvel united is a good example which is it's very expensive and if you want to collect the whole thing it's going to cost you and you know there are a lot of people that would get would pledge a dollar or you know sixty dollars for the base game just to get into the backer kit so that later they could then back it for everything um before it went to printing uh so that they could still get everything because they couldn't afford to do it right away um yeah and i'm not in that position and uh but it is a good position to make sure that you're working for to help you know everybody get the, the games yeah absolutely and did i i don't think i've told you about my um subsidized copies that i'm doing I, I was gonna I, I was glancing through your because you sent me the Kickstarter preview page and I was glancing through to see what I was gonna back at because I was looking for all the games. There's like oh there's that. I was like what's this subsidized thing? And I I didn't want to sit here and read it because we were talking, <laughs> but I saw it. So tell me about that. So like this is something that I started with my last Kickstarter where it was a little bit cheaper. So for the record, um, yeah I think. UK, I'm charging £3, which is going to be slightly more than it actually cost me, but mm-hmm. it's going to pay me for my time and, you know, materials yeah. and everything. Yep. But That's then, fair. you know, you internationally, I'm charging £7 across the board, which is going to be, okay, some places, like, it might be slightly too much. Um, if someone out of New Zealand buys it, that might be... And buys four copies, that's slightly too little, but right, here, right. well, it'll be fine. It's worth, I've got a good enough sense, I wouldn't advise this to everyone, but I've got a good enough sense of where people are likely to come from that right, I'm right. able to, yeah, and hopefully people understand that I don't want to go on a long list and make a list for literally all 200 plus countries in the world, and work mm-hmm. it out for every single thing i've worked out okay these are the broad things um anyway so the subsidized copies what goes on there is rather than paying let's say or in the usa you could pay nine pounds for a copy of the game plus seven pounds shipping so that's 16 right, quid right i guess that's about 20 dollars for one thing and you're like okay that's hopefully a reasonable price for you or if you want mm-hmm. four it's a little bit cheaper it's 29 plus the seven so that's 36 but that's mm-hmm. something that's what i'm really mindful of is people who would like to play who have the hopefully group who have maybe people in their house or people that they would play with but the things that is stopping them is the cost mm-hmm. and so what i'm mm-hmm. thinking there is i'm going to basically subsidize it by about let me actually work this out. 
I knew it uh, before we started talking. <laughs> so it cost um, £2 plus it's subsidised by 10 quid, basically. So mm-hmm. I've reduced the shipping by 3 quid. So it's £0 in the UK. It's 4 quid anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's £2. Literally, so if you're in the UK, you could get a copy of this for 2 quid and that's all you pay. And then there's right. copies, like 4 packs available. That's one of each of these 4 games. In the UK, you can get that for £3. If you are anywhere else in the world, it will be £7. Because, right. yes, I've limited it to four to start off with of each of those things. Right, and what right. I'm going to do during the campaign is one of the add-ons that people can get. Yes, they can add on extra copies of a game. And I would prefer people to not buy five copies, but like six copies, hooray! Like five copies, honestly, like I'm... Yeah, I think I'm slightly losing money on that fifth copy, but it still works out. So right, it's right, fine. Right. But like six, if you buy two more, it's anyway. The point is, um, one extra thing that you can buy is to help subsidize something for someone else, and then they pay six quid. So then I put forward the remaining four quid. I'm not gonna lie, that six quid covers, um, depending on where it's going, could cover like the bulk of my actual cost bearing in mm-hmm. mind that even though it's subsidized by 10 quid yes some of that is profit so that means right. that then that's going to other people and what i'm hoping is that there will be some number of people who say you know what i like this i would play this but i just can't afford this you know what i would actually have good times with this let me get this four pack and if that is you if you're listening and if you're like yeah, I cannot afford the $20 for a game or mm-hmm. um, let me work it out again, 36 quid, so about $40 for four games. If you can't afford that and you're like, hey, I can't afford that, but I would totally play these things. I need more games to play, then please mm-hmm. check it out. Because I know a lot of us, myself included, have... A pile of potential like i've got more games than i i went right, to right. spiel i bought one game and i got given i'm going to say like seven other games by people who are like mm-hmm. hey bez i'm interested yep. to hear your thoughts hey bez and um, here's a game thank you for having me on your show or things mm-hmm. like that or and it's lovely i mean i'm not complaining by any means i'm blessed with so many games right but right. it like so many people and if someone puts up a thing, I'd be like, am I really going to play it? And I hope that anyone who's got like unplayed games isn't going to back at this point because that's probably right, not right. for you. Right. But if you're someone who's like played all your games, whether you've got like two games or 10 games or 100 games, if you're like actively mm-hmm. playing them all and right. you're like, hey, I would actually play this, but I just don't have the cash maybe you're short of money right now maybe mm-hmm. you're just generally short of money i don't know i'm not going to ask you any questions i will send it to you exactly the same way exactly the same time you'll get basically the same survey sent to you and yeah that's basically it that's awesome i think that's great of you to do i've seen some other kickstarters do that sort of thing where they say hey here's the normal price here's the price if that's what you can afford 
and you know, you just you assume people will be honest, and that the people that need it will do it. And I think that's fantastic. It's so. a really interesting question about the honesty, and I noticed that another Kickstarter went live today, where I think Galen um they credited me and said, "Oh, I was inspired by to this idea by Bez, which is lovely of them to say." Um, mm-hmm. in their version, it was like a half price thing rather than a like. 99% discounts or whatever. Right, right, right. But it was um, someone in the comments seemed to be slightly confused by this pledge level, thinking it was an extreme early bird or something. And I think I like to believe that when I've priced it at literally two quid and three quid, people are going to understand this is not an early bird. And I've been quite careful in my wording. Right, yep. Where... Subsidize certainly gets your attention. When I saw that, I was like, oh, this is different, you know. Yeah, like, sure. it, I mean, if like, I'm not going to say to anyone, this is not for you, but hopefully it will help people self-select. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, this is an argument we hear in America and I'm sure other places too, but America is really, really, really crappy about the idea of like, what if someone abuses the free stuff? And like, overall, my response to that is I don't care. Um, <laughs> as long as the people who need it are getting it. I don't care if there's some, a few people who abuse the system, right? Because what matters is that the people who need it are getting it. That's Mm -hmm. what's most important. And, you know, I think uh, not doing something like that for fear that that will happen is, is, is silly. And so, no, so I commend you on doing that. I think it's a great idea. I know that these kind welfare, I mean, in the USA, I mean, I heard historically you've got that whole McCarthy type thing where they were, like, um, I mean, I might be completely off base, but saying anything remotely to do with communism and trying to make things equal is a terrible thing. But Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that welfare is really important. And I, the only reason, honestly, I've been able to make games is partially to do with the UK welfare system. I'm not going to lie. Like, I've, for a while I was, I'm not currently, you know, doing like taking, like I'm currently permanently employed, but for a while I was on job seekers Mm -hmm. while I was setting up my own thing. And then Mm -hmm. the person was like, yeah, that's good. Like you're trying to set this up. I see that you're actually putting, okay, you can keep getting this money, which was amazing. And without that, I would never have made Yogi or frankly, any of the games that have made since. Well, and not to mention that the big thing you didn't mention uh, that makes the biggest difference is that no matter what your status is, you have health care. Uh, <laughs> and, and here, you know, health care oh is generally gosh, yes. linked to your job. And, you know, and that as somebody who's self-employed uh, in a family where I'm self-employed, one of us has to have, uh, as we joke, a real job, right? Where like you're getting paid by a company who can provide benefits for you. Um, but I think the biggest argument we literally hear from people um, you know, is uh, healthcare for all is very expensive. But the, one of the big things you hear people say is like, I shouldn't have to pay for you to have healthcare. If I'm healthy, why should I have to pay for you to have healthcare? <laughs> First of all, thanks for outing yourself as a total dick, um, by saying that. But second of all, um, you literally are paying for it because your insurance is based on the fact that there are people who can't afford to pay. Right. And like that jacks up your rates and it, it changes the cost of everything. Um, and then America also like to not to get on my anti-America post, but uh, like my soapbox, but like 
we also spend more money in uh, defense spending than I like the next like 10 or 20 nations combined. And most of those are our allies. So, um, so we're real geniuses in how we, uh, how we spend our money here. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's silly. And, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that other countries like this make it so that, so that somebody like in your, uh, place trying to do this thing with, with these games is able to do that. I think that's fantastic. And I, you know, um, creative stuff is, is so important to help people. I mean, honestly, like I, my, if I was ruler of the world, like it would be universal basic Uh income. Like the whole point is I would, um, probably do something that's approximately equal to a 40 hour um mm-hmm. minimum wage job currently and right, right. hopefully that pays enough that everyone can get a place to stay mm-hmm. but also i would probably um as long as it's not being abused everyone's got a certain amount of electricity and internet usage and right, right. um water that they just get you don't have to pay for yeah. these things i right, don't right. think that it makes any sense to like i it kind i understand why it does make sense don't at me but like you know it like just have these things for everyone and this should not be something more right. that everyone's struggling with to pay all these right, rates right. or what should be a basic part of life well it, it's it's you know I think that everybody has the mentality that everybody who's able should work and pitch in, right? Uh, everybody who's able should should do their part. Um, but but I think most people, not most, sorry, I, what we hear is a lot of people, especially in the U.S. and obviously other countries as well, but, you know, say things like, well, if you can't, you know, I, my job is to take care of me and my family and not anyone else. Um, and it's just very short-sighted um, because like some of the like, best things we well, have in America are paying tax. I mean, you're already paving the road. I mean, maybe right, you don't right. use the roads as like your, right. your tax is going to paying paving like lots of roads that you probably don't use. Right. Do you use all right. the roads? Right, right. We, we fix that by just not, not paving the roads very well here. Um, so <laughs> we, <laughs> but no, we, there are so many things I think that if you free someone to not be stuck having to have that job that they hate because that's the only way to have healthcare. It's the only way to make a living and not starve um, breeds unhappy people. And that's silly. Um, You know, in the idea of universal basic income, isn't that everyone can just be lazy and not work, right? It's that you have a minimum, right? We are saying no matter what you're doing, we're going to help you survive. And if you want to do more than that, you can you can do things. You can have a job. You can expand on that. But it frees you to focus on the things you care about. And and you're still going to have people in every position. I, I have known mm. people who work fast food jobs who've hated it. Um, I know people like there's a lady I used to work with. She worked at a mortgage company with me. And I found out she was also a manager at a Burger King. And I was like, how come you work at Burger King too? Like you, you mean, like, do you need assistance or and she's like oh no i just love it there like i just love working there and helping people and that is certainly not something that everybody feels like but she literally worked there because she loved it and when she left her job at the mortgage company she kept working at burger king because she just loved it so much um so like people will do the jobs right people want to do what they want to do and everybody wants to to do something different people want to feel like they have a place in society People don't want to, well, 
a minority of people, sure, but enough people will still want to just do something to get out, to be part of something that mm-hmm. it makes sense. I mean, yeah. the one big difference that I think you would see if universal basic income was a thing, and so people had that safety net, is that the minimum um, like respect at a job would actually go up. I think that mm-hmm. you know people yeah. would be paid a little bit more commensurate with how much people hated doing the thing. Like for yes, a yes. job that no one wants to do, frankly, yeah, should that be paid so much less than a job that sure it takes specific skills? Uh, I'm not sure. Like that mm-hmm. feels really wrong to me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but yeah, anyway, the point is that for a while I was trying to release stuff as cheap as it could be, and then I'm like, you know what? This isn't the way to do things, and right, right, that's when I started selling some of my bags. Once it had got into the second, third edition, where I was like, Yeah, actually, now this is really good. I'm going to up the price to seven pounds fifty, mm-hmm. and I'm not mm-hmm. going to feel ashamed or anything. And yes, I could charge less, but um, rather than making it as cheap as I can possibly do for everyone. Why not just make it a price where I actually get some profit and then I can use some of that to offset the cost of at least, you know, eight people potentially. And then if those people, yeah, really then brilliant for them because that someone who's maybe even five quid was too much for that person. Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. And you know, I'll tell you that, um, like somebody before I did my first Kickstarter, they gave me this advice and I will always remember this advice and I will always remind people I've said on their show probably 50 times and I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners are sick of hearing it, but I literally don't care because it's good advice. And that is with Kickstarters, one of the things you should always do is give people who want to support you a way to give you more money. Like, and that doesn't sound nice when I say it that way, but you, you get what I mean, right? Like for people, give people levels in your Kickstarter to where people can afford it. But there are also levels where like, you know, my first game I did water balloon washout. I had a level where you could pay extra and you could have your kid drawn to be one of the characters in the game. Right. Mm. And I sold out all of those levels because people wanted to support the game. They wanted to help. Right. And they got to do something fun, but for everybody else who just wanted the game, they got the game. And, uh, and to be clear on that place, like one of the things I did was I purposely reserved and didn't do art for for x number of kids because there's only so many kids in the game i sold a batch of them and then looked at the makeup that we had of people and then used the ones that we didn't sell to make sure that it was diverse and fun and you know everybody was covered and everybody won like i got extra money to help make the game done people who wanted to do more did more and saw benefit from it right but then your your basic backer got the game i think for 15 bucks with free shipping um and that was that was awesome for them right so it was i think that you know playing all those levels is what i'm saying is you know you raising your prices because that's fair there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. um and you are doing something you don't have to do but it's great that you are where you're saying but i'm going to use some of that to help other people get to my game you know my games i think that's cool 
there, yeah, there is a one pound pledge level where it's like I, I will saw that. I saw that. and I put it as an add on for other stuff because I'm like. Yeah, part of me was like, should this just be tied into other pledge levels? Like, you just get it by default. But I do want to give it a good go. Like, if someone says, I want you to compliment Liechtenstein, I do want to actually take, you know, five minutes to look up Liechtenstein on Wikipedia, skim through, and try to actually ha- give a genuine compliment to Liechtenstein. Because right, right. I'm not just going to say, oh, Liechtenstein, I like the letter L, and it starts with L, and L is the same letter for lollipop and right, love. Right, right, right. That's like a bit vacuous. But I'm warning, I'm going to warn you ahead of time that I'm going to back for an extra dollar on the level that I pick. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to ask that you, for my son, uh, compliment otters, because they're his favorite thing in the world. Amazing. Uh, and he loves when people tell good things about otters. So I will be putting that in my Kickstarter request. And it's documented here so everybody knows. <laughs> Fantastic. And there will be like a whole video where I just kind of work out what I'm going to say and then make I a lot of it. And I love it. That's what I noticed with my last thing is that there are a small number of people who did then say, yes, I want to support other people, but a small number of people also did hey, I'll do the one pound pledge level even multiple times because I want you to sing my game, sing my name seven times, seven times someone did. And some people actually just put a tip because that's something you can do on Kickstarter. And it amazes me that, like, it tells me that it's not people aren't backing just because they want the thing at the cheapest price necessarily as fast as it can be and it's part of my um risks and challenges at the bottom where mm-hmm. i kind of tell people yeah i can't control what a shop is going to charge for this in a year's time there's always a mm-hmm. chance that i might have like some on there might be a, some unsold copy that's in a small shop in the uk mm-hmm. that it goes down to like you know less than you paid for it here I mean, I hope not. I hope that all of these things maintain their value, but right, you know, right. I don't have the ultimate control. And right, similarly, right. I do want to warn people that it's entirely possible. It actually, I should maybe say it's almost likely that I'm going to sell it at some small local conventions before I ship everything out. Because right, yes, right. when I'm going to Dragon Meet, if I've managed to get some games by then, yes, right, I am right. going to take a few copies. But the big thing that it tells me is that like people are supporting me because like it's not just about it's never just about the one thing i mean right. well it's not for me it's about the process it's about by backing me to make this one thing i am not only going to be able to make this one thing but that if it goes way over that it's going mm-hmm. to allow me to make more future things. Exactly. Like right? if it's 1,500, yes, I will chip in the extra myself and I will print all these things and we will get it done. Let's say it right. got to like some, like I've never gotten there, but let's say it got to like 10 grand. Like that would right, be right. amazing. And then mm-hmm. a chunk of that would be profits, which might make me think, you know what? I can, like that means there's maybe two or three months where I don't have to worry really about making mm-hmm. money at all and i can just pay all my bills which is amazing and that means yeah, that's that a good feeling right i can do other stuff and i can just do a lot of illustrations or just 
you know, I'm going to be more productive when I'm mm-hmm. you know, taken care of. Right. It's crazy how productive people can be when they have money to meet their ends, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it's crazy how that works. And yeah, no, that's something that like with Kickstarter, I want to point out, you mentioned, you know, you are, you'll definitely likely have copies of this for sale at places before backers get it. That's something that I, a long time ago, used to get frustrated about before I knew much about Kickstarter, right? Like, oh, they're selling copies. Um, but like now I'm so defensive about that to be like, no, the, the company got the games. They haven't had time to ship them, but they want to make money because they only have a limited time with each game to do that. And they need to make money to keep making games you like. So just don't whine and you'll get your game. Don't like, just calm down. Right. I mean, um, I, some companies I've seen weird giraffe green couch do the thing where like, you just, they'll say like, Hey, uh, I'll have at this convention. If you happen to have back to Kickstarter and you're at this convention, pop mm-hmm. in and I'll give you your game. Like, boom, you know, and you, you don't ship it to them, which is, you know, they get it earlier and you save money on shipping. Um, so like that, there's always options for that, but like people need to just calm down. I, Kickstarter backers, unfortunately, I think can get very entitled about things. And you need to just it's so weird take to where, like, change the text on it to remind people it's not a pre-order it and it companies use it in different ways and it and i I support like i support that some big companies do big crazy games on it right like that used to bother me but like they're giving a game experience that they would not be able to produce as a company and sell in stores right because it's just too much it's just too big of a thing and they're using Kickstarter to give the people who are collectors who really want it the ability to have that. And I think that's cool. But I also love that, you know, smaller companies are able to fund their games and fund all of their work by doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that I think both are appropriate as long as one never, you know, I mean, really, as long as the big ones never stop the small ones. You know, if the small ones make it harder for the big ones, then and I don't it's care. It's such a different market. That's, I don't see that happening. It is. Really yes. Strong. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's a different market. And I think that that is, that's good because they're not really, you know, stepping on each other's toes. I mean, someone who's spending like 300 quid on some massive collection of boxes to have this lavish experience with decorative things and miniatures and whatever, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they might also like some quick fillers on the side. But right, that's right. not going to stop them from backing my stuff. And right, right. it feels like, yeah, to right. such a different thing. When they spent 300 bucks on a game, they're not going to be like, well, I was going to back Bez's stuff, but I just don't have the extra nine bucks, right? That's like, <laughs> just silly. That's not going to happen, you know? Um, I mean, it could, but it's very unlikely. Yeah, so. Well, well yeah, it's, yeah, it's been lovely chatting. Yeah, no, I want to, I, uh, this has been fantastic and we've talked for a very long time and I want to be respectful of the fact that you have to, you have to go publish a Kickstarter here. (laughs) I am going to, um, and also I have to chat to my graphic designer who's helping me make these boxes. So I don't Uh have the actual graphics of the boxes. I have the physical cards so I can, I've Mm -hmm. got actual photos of the cards on the Kickstarter page, which will be going up. I know they're not there yet, but there will be more 
photos of the cards, mm-hmm. just Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, when was the last time? Did you say you didn't do a Kickstarter page for like ten years or something? I haven't done one personally for like ten years. Yeah, so, I'm, yeah, I'm going um, to be Kickstarter. Right. Sometimes gonna... it glitches out, like when you're yeah. uploading photos, just to let you yep. know. It's yep. annoying. It's annoying as heck. And yeah, I don't know what it does, but like sometimes I just close the window and reopen it, and then it starts working. Sometimes mm-hmm. it does it work and then i take a walk and then i come back and it's working but it's like it's not to do with my photos because it's the same photo it's just sometimes uploads and sometimes it doesn't right it might right. also i mean there's a potential it might be my internet connection i don't know but um whatever it is um the point is i'll get the box done i've got to do a bit of art direction and say yeah do this blah 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 and get the kickstarter done and i'm going to press launch probably yeah within 20 minutes because now it's like 5 38 and i feel like the right. later it goes now the worse the time is going to be because right, right. yes right now it's about 12 noon usa i guess almost 1 p.m actually yeah. 1 p.m wow and um over here this is a time when people are going to be stopping their work going to right, right and so if i can catch them before they've completely logged off the internet then that will be good <laughs> yes yes that's right well i appreciate you coming on the show i literally could talk to you all day so i it's love been our an chats, absolute delight so. and i will reach out and you know what maybe i should organize some things after the next big convention maybe after uk games expo yes yeah 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 that sounds great um, hey, listeners, I hope you really enjoyed this uh, episode. If you want to get in touch with us, you can, of course, go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. Find a link to our Discord there. You can come hang out at our Tuesday night chats. Um, you can also uh, email us, buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at PodcastPTG, at J.A. Slingerland, and Bez is at Stuff by Bez. If you, uh, if you enjoyed the show, which I know you did because it's awesome, you can come back every week. But until next time, good night. Bye 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 bye. This is a goodbye song. Do 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 do. Bye 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 bye. Thank you for watching along. Bye 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 bye. This is the end of the show. Bye 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 bye. And now it's time to go. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. The end of the episode. That's when it technically ends.